0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Business in Bites podcast. I'm one of your hosts, John Hansman.
1: And I'm Emilio Mejia. Thank you for and, joining us.
0: Well, I'll say this. We're going to say this now, but in real life, this isn't the case. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, this is two things, pre-Christmas and for me, pre-baby. Like, <laughs> So life will be very different on episode four for me, and I'm super excited about that. But today we're excited. We've got some good topics on uh, conversation with our guest Kevin Hayward. We're going to talk uh, about uh, another data breach because that's what's happening in the world today in our industry. And we're going to talk about some tips you can use to protect your business. And you know, the Business Bites podcast. What we're really about is helping you grow both in the business development area and both in just protecting your business and keeping it safe. So we're excited to bring uh, Kevin Hayward on to the stage. Now here's what I'll say about Kevin. I, I, maybe I should bring him on so we can, maybe we'll do the math together. So Kevin, I've known you for, I think it's going, it might be more than 10 years now.
2: I think it's more than 10 years. I was thinking between 10 and 15. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll settle with more than 10.
0: We'll say like twelve, just to just to split the difference. Uh, you've been a good friend of mine for a while, and there's a, I think there's even a commercial that says he's not just my insurance agent, but he's my friend. Uh, Kevin, <laughs> Kevin's been my insurance agent for quite a while, and uh, someone that I trust and uh, just enjoy. Uh, not just having a business relationship with you, but but also just uh, just talking with you on a regular basis. You also recently uh, got me to play Pickleball more because you were talking about it. So that's a whole different topic. What we (laughs) want to do is why don't you start out just by introducing yourself? Uh, I said, you know, we know you're with State Farm, but I'd love to hear a little bit about your business journey. How did you get to be a State Farm agent? Like, you know, give us just a a short recap of how how that came to be.
2: Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me, John and Emilio. It's fun to be here with you. Um, I have been with State Farm for 16 years, but I've owned my agency for 12. Um, I kind of call myself an accidental entrepreneur. Um, I was with the corporate side of State Farm for four and a half years, um, and I really liked that, Um, but things were changing. Um, My job role was changing, and that coupled with the fact that I was very ambitious um but within state farm they wanted you to be mobile willing to move around the country to move up the ranks i just was like that's kind of problematic and so a few people had recommended that i apply to own my own agency and i said well okay i'll look into that um and next thing i knew you know kind of sailed through the process and state farms so would like to offer you this agency in Lacey. i'm like whoa I, i'm still thinking about it but um i accepted it Um, I say kind of jokingly with State Farm, um, you you can inherit a book of business or you can start from scratch. And I started from, from scratch. Um, and I think State Farm probably figured they didn't really have a whole lot to lose, but, uh, we've been very, very blessed. Um, it's a lot of work for sure, owning and operating a business, but, um, it's a really good gig and thankful to work with so many great customers, including yourself, John. I think a lot of people, a
1: lot of, a lot of us accidentally. Or like, we're not ready, right? Like, in my journey, that was one of my things. Um, I was about 26, and I was like, in a couple years, I'm going to go get my master's in business. I'm going to start this once I feel like I have enough IT knowledge to not need to lean on anybody. And then somebody came along and said, hey, you want to be partners? And I was like, let's go. And then, yeah. and then I just ended up in the seat. So I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> yeah, good for you.
0: Yeah, same thing happened to me. I mean, I was just in a job I didn't like. And a mutual friend of ours, I remember Joey, quit, quit being a pastor and decided to become a rocket engineer. And I was like, well, you can make that dramatic of a change. Why can't I?" Die? And So then I started as well. So, and it wasn't, it might, I didn't, I didn't grow up thinking I was going to be an entrepreneur. And never even, it never even crossed my mind. Uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. So you've, you've had an agency use it 12 years. And that means you had to start from scratch. You had to start with just you being the guy, being feet, you know, growing. And now how many, how many employees do you have?
2: Um, I believe it's nine.
0: You have nine employees. Mm -hmm. So how does that, when you look back on today, like from today back, what is the emotion that, that you think about when you, when you think just where you've come from?
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel thankful. I feel really thankful that I am where I am today. Again, as I mentioned, I'm very, very blessed. And, um, you know, I've worked really hard, but I certainly don't deserve all the credit for it. Um, It's also been a grind at times. Um, At one point, I went and I counted up all the employees that I've had over the I think mean, at that point, it was 10 years and it's a big number. Um, I've got some really good stability on my team now. I've got a, a group of people that there's been kind of a settling and I've got a really solid core, but um, there's been a lot of people that for lots of reasons haven't worked out. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tiring. It's a lot of work. But again, it's that combination of, yeah, it's been a grind, but I'm very thankful to be where we are and um, trying to trying to keep it going.
0: I don't I don't know if you realize this, but the very first entrepreneur book anyone ever gave me was from you.
2: That's cool. I bet I know which one it was. I mean, which one was it? Entrepreneur Roller Coaster by Darren Hardy. Am I right?
0: There. That is exactly right. And I read that thing from beginning to end. And there's times and I can even say even recently where I I thought about that book and I was like, man, it would be, uh, I'm glad I I'm glad I read that book and realized that there'd be ups and downs.
1: Should I read um, it? I have it on my shelf, but I haven't read it yet.
0: It's good. Have,
1: it's it's it. really good. It's an easy read. No excuses, Emilio.
0: Yeah. All right.
1: That's, that's, that's next on my list. That's next on my list. I have a question, Kevin. Um, based on something you just said, it triggered a thought for me that used to happen at one of my clients. How do you pick yourself back up when you've kept rehiring the same position and it just feels like a revolving door and you're like, man, I don't know if I'm ever going to find someone to fill this one position because every month or month and a half, like it's just somebody new. How how do you kind of overcome that? Yeah. I guess there's a
2: couple of things. Number one, I just don't really see it as optional. Like, okay, I'm going to do it. I've had great employees over the years. I have many great employees now. And so I know that great people are out there. And so uh, maybe it's stubbornness that I have, or persistence, or whatever. But the other side of that coin, and I don't really like to think think about this, but um, some of it is looking in the mirror and saying, "Okay, how did I fail in this?" And it could be a, it could be failing in a few different ways. It could be failing in my hiring process. You know, maybe I I cut some corners and like well they didn't do this thing or they've got this flaw, but maybe it'll be okay. So maybe I failed in just my process and how I brought that person on. It could be that I failed in um, how I set expectations or how I trained them. you know, and so it could be how I engage, how I motivated, whatever. Then I, I um, you know, and, and I try to learn something from each employee that, that doesn't work out. Um, and, you know, one of the things I've said before is the one common denominator of every employee who ever didn't work out at my business was me, right? And so, um, yes people have been dishonest or have, you know, not worked super hard or what a bad attitude. Yes. I mean, so it's not like it's all my fault, but like, really the one thing that they all had in common was me. Right. So um, there needs to be some humility in that, some, um, some reflection and just hopefully learning and growing. And, and, you know, I've said many times, well, I won't make that mistake again, but I I keep finding new mistakes to make. So that's
0: good. (laughs) What, what big change do you think you've made in hiring that you say you have a pretty solid team now? What do you think your biggest change was that helped you get to that? that place?
2: Oh, well, some of it's just trial and error. I kind of, um, I would say there's sort of a settling effect. Um, and really, there's nothing magic about the one-year mark. But what I've found is typically if they get to the one-year mark... There's a really good chance it's going to work out with them um they've kind of they understand the business they understand the culture they're a part of it they've shaped that and it's like it's like they've gotten over some kind of a hump and it's like once they get there there's again that sort of settling um, in that zero to one year mark, that's where most of the turnover is. And, and it's like either they aren't the right fit, I'm not the right fit for them, whatever. Um, so some of it is just a, the benefit of time and perspective. I do think, um, you know, our hiring process, it certainly is not perfect, um, but uh, it's gotten better uh, having a little bit more clearly defined roles and just the steps Um, that I go through to to vet the candidates, um, I think has helped me weed out some people. To be honest, I think I probably lose some decent people throughout that process, but I have to be okay with that, right? That, um, you know, I I, I need to to sift and sort and and ideally going to find good people on the back end. So I'd be happy to share that process that I go through if that would be helpful to you guys.
0: Yeah, I'd be curious to know what process you're using to find the right talent for your business.
2: Yeah, and I you know I always tell people in, in terms of sourcing applicants, there's no silver bullet, right? You know, there's not like this one, you just have to do this one thing and then that's where they'll all come from. So I'm always looking in a lot of different places. Uh, LinkedIn is a really good one. Uh, finding people that are, you know, in fields that are the same or similar uh, and connecting with those people and they'll just connect and, um, you know, just asking if they're interested in, in a call to discuss the opportunity. Um, Indeed has a pretty cool, but I would say, fairly little known feature. It's called a resume search. So um, I think it's 125 bucks a month or something, but what it allows you to do is it allows you to search resumes based on zip code and certain keywords. Um, uh, and then also how recently they've updated it. Um, and so I'm, I'm looking for people that are kind of likely in the job market, uh, but haven't necessarily applied with me. And so um, once you find somebody you like, you can message them and then they have the choice of whether to respond or not. I guess it's all about like a dating app or something. Um, until they respond, you actually don't have their contact information. So you have their name, you have where they worked and all that stuff, but you don't have their contact information. Once they respond, they'll, you know, yeah, I'm interested. Um, it'll have their, their email and their phone number and then, you know, I'll text them or email them to, to try to set up a Zoom call. Um, and then I use different Uh, just hiring platforms Uh, we have an internal one it's called well it's not internal but it's called career plug um, and it posts to the different job boards and i just use that as an aggregator Um, so the first step typically you know if i i look through lots of resumes lots of applicants and things but if i'm interested if i have any interest it will be to schedule a zoom interview Um, i used to do a call but that's a little tweak that i made Um, i want to see are they able to use the technology are they you know are they engaging are they friendly is their demeanor positive is you know do i kind of click with them and that's a little bit difficult to tell over the phone right so um, i had one person i did a zoom interview with and they were like laying in their bed and i'm like yeah i don't you know whatever words that are coming out of your mouth i'm just not really they're not landing because you're laying on your bed Uh, and there's another guy that was like in shadows and i'm like yeah you like you gotta have flip on the light man but um, so we have a conversation. We keep, it's pretty casual. Um, I kind of asked them about themselves and some things that stand out about the resume and things. Um, then I talked to them about the opportunity at our office. Um, and occasionally I'll talk to somebody and it's like, it's a no-go. You know, the guy that was shrouded in shadows. Like, yeah, we're, we're kind of done here. And I'm just kind of, all right, I'm talking to a Step few people. Tip and-
0: number one, don't lay in your bed when interviewing
2: at least not with me. I mean, I don't know, maybe you guys keep, are keeping the shadows at the same time. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. It's, it's yeah. Just, um, so yeah, it's not that hard. Um so from there, if it's good, um, I, you know, I kind of communicate to them, what are the steps in the process? Um, and I just tell them, you know, it's Kind of like connecting the dots you know when you're a kid you have a little piece of paper and has all the dots i say you know the reason i do it this way you might look at that so oh, i don't i don't really know what that is but the more lines you draw on the piece of paper you start get start to get a, a clearer picture and i say this is a two-way street, right? So I'm trying to evaluate you as to, to your skill sets, your personality, the fit for the role in our office. But you should be doing the same with us. And so as we go through this process, the whole goal is to get a clearer picture um, to try to in- increase our odds that this will be a fit. Or if it's not, then let's let's you know let's tap out before we we enter into this. So um, anyway, um, so then I send them an assessment. Um, there's one. It's put together by a former safe Farm agent. It's called Can They. Tell. Um, to me, it's twofold. Number one, the assessment has like a cognitive, it has some personality motivation stuff. I think there's a lot of good ones out there, and I don't necessarily think that everybody should use that one. There's probably a lot of different ones, but hey, I want to see, are they even gonna do it? I would say 20% of the people that I send the assessment to just never do it. Well, okay, if you're not willing to spend 20 minutes doing an assessment, probably it's not, you're not that interested or whatever. Right. Um, And then it's, it's just another data point. You know, I see some on that assessment, there's, there's one measurement that's deadline motivation. In other words, are are they a hustler? They, they want to get stuff done. And when I see this like five out of a hundred, it's like, yeah, I don't want to beg you to pick up the phone and call people. I need people that, you know, have a sense of urgency. So, um, so sometimes I just weed people out based on that Usually I'm not going to hire or not hire them just based on the assessment, but if that looks good, then I have them in for an in-person interview. It's a little bit more formal. It's structured. Um, I'll often have my office manager Patrice in on that uh, meeting. Uh, I like to see how are they going to dress? How's their handshake? Are they looking you in the eye? Are they quick on their feet? Are they asking me questions? Um, And then from there, if I really like them um, I do references and I don't, I haven't run across anybody else that does it this way, but I really like it. So I tell him, if I was interviewing John, I'd say, all right, John, I'm gonna email you three days and times, um, You know, Tuesday at three, Wednesday at 10, whatever. You're gonna arrange for your references to call me at my office at those days and times. You're gonna email me and let me know who's calling and when. And you know, if for whatever reason, one of those times doesn't work, we can do some back and forth with that. But um, it's a pretty basic task, in my opinion, Um, But again, you'd be amazed at how many people can't follow instructions, they don't do it or whatever. Um, And if they can't do that, it's probably not going to bode super well. So um, as I mentioned, there's probably some pretty good candidates throughout, you know, in that process that whatever they they just think, oh, this is too much or um, this is, you know, unreasonable or whatever. But I've hired a lot of people that way. And I think my hope is it it weeds out a lot of the flakes um, and they sort they sort of opt out of this whole thing, and it makes it a lot easier for me. It's frustrating. I feel like I waste my time sometimes with certain people, but that's okay. That's part of the deal. Is you've got to talk to a lot of people to get one or two good ones out the back. So that's kind of that process. And hopefully that makes sense.
1: Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta kiss a couple frogs to, to get the print. So um, Absolutely. so this is my second. This is my second IT company. On uh, my first one, we grew as big as seven or eight every once in a while. I never had a process. It was always like shooting from the hip type thing. Um, as starting, as of this year, starting AM3, I went to a process, um, which actually, yeah, I have a couple of things I'll share with you guys that have helped me. Um, first, some sort of test, just like you did. Um, I have them send me a video. And in the video, I asked them three questions. Um, why do you, what? What got you into IT? Like, what do you love about it? Tell me the time that you fixed something that you overcame that you didn't know you were gonna fix. And I forgot what the third question was. And like you said, are they gonna answer the questions? Are they gonna make the video and send it to me? How are they gonna like present themselves in the video? I don't expect anything out loud because just, you know, I'm asking them to record it from their phone maybe, but it just gives me a lot. It also lets me know how they speak. Do they have like a strong accent? Do they not? Before we even engage into having the Zoom video. Um, cool. Once I hire them, this is what's worked for me pretty good. Um, at the end of the day, Tell me what you learned or what you had issues with in an email, right? Just quick email, nothing too fancy, two bullet points, what you learned, two bullet points, what you found difficult or have a question about. On Friday, we're going to meet for 30 minutes and we're going to go over it. And then on Friday, we're going to go over anything else that might have been a hurdle or a hiccup that your supervisor told me you had. So what I'm trying to do is in these first 90 days, any issues, we're trying to fix them week by week by week by week. So it's not like 30 days in and I'm like, Man, you're still doing the things from week one. Right. Or or, oh, I never knew that was happening. So by day 90, we either know this is working or it isn't. And on Friday and those Friday meetings, I'm like, look, this happened and I'm not throwing it in your face. I'm just saying we need to fix this if we want to make it, you know, if we want to make this a permanent situation. You know, we kind of work at that. So we do every day the quick email then Fridays, and then at the end of the month. Um, and I got that from Cindy John. And then from there, that's that's been working for me. Cindy's amazing. yeah
0: one one of the things that I've noticed, Kevin, just is just this is customer to to provider things, and I think this is one of the reasons why when I was looking for guests, this is one of the reasons why I brought you on and asked you to come was I noticed a culture of Kevin Hayward's names on the door, but he has really good employees that I don't mind talking to because they, they get the job done. They do, they do what I ask when I have a problem, they're eager to help. And sometimes you don't see that in business. You have the person whose name is on the door. In my case, my name was on, my face was on the door, uh, in my old business. And people, it took me a while until I hired a particular person that they started, they stopped asking for me what do you think what what is the ways like that you helped encourage or motivate people to become those types of employees for you
2: well yeah that's a really good question um first of all i'm glad you feel that way that's the intent um you know it's one thing to achieve success but it's another thing to sustain it and to continue to build it and um, you know, when you have 30 customers or 50 or a hundred, like I, yeah, I could just do all of that, but you get to the point where there's just no way. Right. And so you have to build in some processes. You have to kind of replicate yourself. So, um, yeah, I think empowering them, I think letting them know, Hey, you can do this. You have all the same licenses that I do. Um, I think that's one thing. I think it feels good to them to, to have that responsibility and have that ownership. So like in our, with our customers, um, Uh, my employees and our customers, we divide up our book by alphabet. So A through G is one team member, H through uh, O is another, and then P through Z. And we're probably going to be, because of our size and our growth, we're probably going to split that into four and get another person on board. And so they they just sort of own that relationship. Mm. Um, I think accountability is really big. I think I see a lot of uh, people who do what I do, I'll use the word $5 word, I guess, abdicate. They just say, okay, you do it and I'm out. Um, I'm going to be golfing or whatever. And I, you know, no shade on people that take time off. I take time off. Uh, I think it's very, very important. And I think as a business owner, you, you should do that and you are entitled to do that, but taking time off is, is, is really different than just peacing out and not being engaged. And so, um, I have really high expectations I demand a lot and so you know if I hear from a, a customer hey you know I didn't hear back from this employee you know I circle back with them and it could be this misunderstanding or you know maybe if the customer you know asked for something an hour ago and they're calling back an hour later it's like no, supposed so to be reasonable but if we missed it we have a conversation about hey what happened what can we do to kind of avoid that because um, that's the best thing we got going for us is is that responsiveness, that care, that attention, that conscientiousness. So um I think me being present, physically present, engaged, involved. I mean, I try really hard to not micromanage. I probably my team at different times would say that I do, but it's it's that quality control. Um, but at the same time saying you empowering them and saying, you can do this, you're, you're able to do this. And some, you know, sometimes customers will ask me something and I'll just say, you know what, I'm going to have Vanessa get back in touch with you and she's going to do a great job for you. And once in a while, a customer acts, you know, like they think I'm, you know, too important for them or I don't have time for them. And sometimes I had a guy this morning kind of barge into my office and he wanted to talk about his bill going up and that wasn't my favorite thing, but. I think being willing from time to time to say, yeah, I'll meet with people. I'm not, I'm not above that. It's not that I'm not willing to do it. It's just, I can't, I can't meet with all the people um, for all of their needs. And that's what, that's what the team is for. So kind of a little long winded there, but hopefully that gets at your. No, I
0: think that's great. And it, I mean, like I said, I noticed it from my perspective uh, calling you <laughs> and then having somebody else call me back. And when they took care of me, I was like, okay, well, I can just call the office. I don't actually have to call Kevin's uh, cell phone or anything like that.
2: So now I call you. But you could, right? I I could that balance of like, hey, yeah, I mean, we're friends, and I don't give my cell phone to every customer. But like, when a customer, you know, asks me, it's not that I'm not willing to, but it's there's a subtle kind of training of both sides and even with my team, when a customer will say, oh, I want to talk to Kevin, training them to say, oh, yeah, yeah, um, that's fine. What is it I might be able to help you with it? And some people will call in and say they really want to talk to me to make a payment. It's like, man, you definitely do not need to talk to me to make a payment. And there are some things that only I can do, but that's a pretty short list, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. I prefer to keep my my uh, texting conversations to more fun things. Yeah,
2: no, yeah, but, but again, I don't, you know, if you if you get into a bad accident, I frankly, I want you to call me because we're friends and I want to be able to help you. Right? right. And so it's that, you know, finding that, that balance. So
0: totally, totally. What are there any other additional things you do to encourage or motivate staff?
2: Yeah. I mean, I try to do a lot of things. Um, you know, every year we do like a Christmas outing. We just did that this last year. We went to a nice dinner and went to uh legends arcade and, and played some, e ball and a bunch of different things like that. So we'll do a handful of things throughout the year, little outings. Um, we do a, a team meeting every Monday. So we did that this morning and we just, uh, among other things, we go around the table and everybody says something they're thankful for and uh, we try to engage, you know, that way. Um, we do, uh, Emilio, to your your earlier point, we do uh, biweekly every other week, one-on-ones with my team. Um, and they have a, a few questions. It's, it's a standing recurring calendar invite, but um, what's going well for you? What are you struggling with Um is there anything I can do to help you? And then is there anything else that you want me to know? And some of those conversations are very personal and frankly, not very business oriented. Some of them are very short. Some of them are rather long, uh, but they have that 30 minute time um, and it's good. It's it. I think that it carving out that time and space to just be with them. And some, a lot of times it doesn't last 30 minutes, sometimes it'll last 10 minutes and that's fine too, but um, just, just to be with them. Um, I try to do little gestures here and there, if I can pay for something for them. I had a team member who had a, a window that was broken out in her car and it was like duct taped up. And I was like, you know, there's a glass company that we work with all the time. And I went out and took a picture of the car and I texted them. I said, Hey, well, how much would it cost to do this? And like 200 bucks. I'm like, all right, I'm going to send my employee. I just, I said, just send me the bill and I want to take care of that. So, you know, I mean, I don't have opportunities to do stuff like that every day, but as a business owner, I think if you can bless your employees, I do think those things come back. And I'm not keeping score, keeping track, yeah. um, you know. But but I just I just try to do little things here and there to say, hey, I see you. You're not just somebody that you know works for me and answers the phone and makes me money. Yes, we have a business to <laughs> operate right here, but I see you as a person, um, and that's really that's that's what's going to last.
0: So yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna show a, a picture from your Facebook your business Facebook page. You probably thought. That, <laughs> and well, other than the other than one of the, my other favorite ones that you do is you've always have a new sign. Uh, you always change your signs and they're always they're always catchy and fun. But another observation I noticed uh, is is this this employee that I I used to she actually was helping me for kind of uh, Michaela. So she's got a fun story she came to work for you and then uh, how long did she work for you um i want to say
2: it was about two and a half years
0: so she worked for you for two and a half years and basically you can see former team member michaela uh, opened her own state firm office in chehalis and the reason why i bring that up is what i love about it is, is it shows that you've got a, some kind of culture of, of leadership in your in your business and again you can't grow without having leadership to help manage people when you're not around uh what what things like we can talk about her hope she doesn't mind uh what things do you feel like your business helped her to get to where she's at having her own agency
2: yeah so um state farm has a program called the agent Aspirant program there's nothing profound about the name but um, they really do like to hire agent owners from people that have worked for an agent and we've been pretty successful. And so it's not just working for any agent, but working for an agent has a track record of doing well. And I think the idea is like, well, if she's been an integral part of an office, it's done well. She, chances are she's going to do pretty well. So, yeah, I mean, she was super young when I hired her. She's still pretty young, um, but she had a real grit and a tenacity. And, and so she came on board I think maybe at about the six-month mark, I said, hey, you know, Michaela, I think you could do what I do. Are you interested in that? And it didn't take too long for her to be like, yeah, I think I am. Um, her uncle actually owns a State Farm office in uh, Iowa. Um, and so there was a familiarity there. And so from that point, it was that shifted the nature of the relationship a little bit. Um to you know my goal again obviously there's day-to-day tasks that she needs to get done whether that be you know answering the phone or meeting with a customer canceling a policy selling a policy she's got to do all that stuff because she's still an employee. but um but but then you know my goal my my hat that i'm wearing is more of one of development of okay now part of my job is to help you be ready to position yourself for an opportunity when it comes up. And so um, she did, she did everything I asked. She, she was in a kind of a primarily a sales role initially um, and, and as she continued to grow and develop, I said, okay, well, there's another role that is a little bit more complex within the office. It's probably the closest to what I do. Um, and, and we're going to have you do that for like a year uh, before you go and open, because you really need to have that part of your background, uh, you know, your, your acumen uh, up to speed before you before you open. So she did that. And then it was just really a neat thing that happened. She initially was going to wanted to open her office in Montana or move to Montana. She had lived there. And then she let me know. Actually we're thinking we want to stay around here. And I was kind of thinking about okay, what would be a good spot for her? Um, and I knew the agent that was in Chehalis, and he was in his seventies and I said, Hey, you know, Jean, I feel bad even asking you this question, but I've got this employee. I think she'd do really well in Lewis County. Um she'd wear cowboy boots and she was just kind of her, you know, that's just her her way. Uh, I said, what, what's your game plan? What, what do you think? How much longer do you think you go? He says, well, it's funny. You should ask. I just put in my notice with State Farm. I'll be done in a year. And so from there, it was a partnership with me and him with State Farm to say, okay, you know, it's not my decision, but I was able to advocate for her. Uh, and she got the, got the opportunity. So it was a really cool, it was a neat thing and how everything played out. It's not always that neat and tidy, but yeah.
0: it was, Yeah, just another fun. I mean, I I, maybe I stock my Facebook stalking more than you realize. But another, I
2: I appreciate you sharing that. And I guess I would just add too. So Patrice, my office manager, has been with me eight and a half years, and I've had the conversation with her multiple times. I said, Patrice, like you could do what I do, and she's like, "Thank you," and I don't really want to. And I'm like, "Yes," you know. But (laughs) um, kind of kidding, not kidding. Um, You know, I want the best for every person whether that be they're here uh, and, and they grow and develop that, whether that be that they go on and open their own state farm office, whether that be, they want to go and do something else. I really do want the best for each person. But in her case, she just said, you know, I, I want to be your your right-hand person. And I'm like, great. That's, that's great. I want, that's what I would love as well. But I also don't want you to feel shackled in any way that that somehow there's a ceiling on what you're able to do. And so, so again, at, when we have those conversations, the the relationship shifts a little bit. It's less of we got to get you ready so you can go and do your own thing. To okay, how can we make this the best opportunity possible for you? And that's you know more pay. It's di- more and different responsibilities. Uh, we kind of, she's been my office manager for years, but we've kind of tweaked what does that mean over the last couple of years uh, where she's able to do some more training and things like that. So, uh, it's kind of tailoring the opportunity to the person, what their skills and abilities are, but also their goals and long-term, you know, yeah. desire for what they want out of their career.
0: She's, yeah, Patrice has also been awesome. I think the other thing that, you know, uh, I just noticed in one of the internal conversations Laura and I have on a regular basis is if our staff does leave, our goal is to make them better employees or owners or whatever for the next person. Yeah, Yeah, I
2: think that's, I think that's great. Yeah. And I think to that end, it's, it's sort of holding them with an open hand, right? Like we don't own our employees. They're not ours. Um, so you, you want to manage them in a way that like, that they want to stay, but you have to give them the freedom that if they, they may not, you know, and if that's the case, like you said, John, hopefully they're, they're, they're better Their life is better for having no for knowing you and, and for having worked with you and they're more
1: equipped professionally
2: for the next thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I bring that up to my number too often, like Kevin said. And every time he's like, no, I want to stay here in the back of my head. I'm like, "Ooh, I dodged one there. I dodged one there. Uh, Funny story. The first, the first, my first employee ever, when he wanted to quit, I almost had like a panic attack. I don't know what to do. Like I trained him up from like being an intern. Like he was doing everything. Great kid. I love him. He works at Kaseya now, actually. And he wanted to leave. And I'm like, man, do I offer this kid like a piece of the business? Like I didn't know what to do. I was just going to like lose my mind. And then I was you know what? This happens to everybody. Like, I'm not the first person whose first employee that was doing good wanted to leave. So, you know, just something I had to learn, um, you know, learning the ropes. Uh, to your, to one of your statements, John, when you asked Kevin, you know, what does he do to find the leaders? I think those hoops that he puts people through during the hiring process, that that says a lot. Um, a lot you know, like Kevin said, a lot of people don't wanna take those extra quizzes or, or go the extra mile to pick up the phone and ask the reference, you know, can they please, you know, do something for them at a certain time? Um, so when your employees do that or when your prospect does that, you know, it, it says a lot about their character and what they're willing to do to get to that next level, I believe. Yeah, that, that's very true. That's very true.
0: Well, this has been this has been a great conversation. I'm going to have to come up with more questions for you. We'll have to do this again. Is there anything else that you can think of that has helped you along your journey that you'd want to share before we
2: uh, part with? No, it's been a really good conversation. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, I learned some things too from you guys. Um, I remember before I opened, um, I was speaking with a mentor who had been doing this a long time and I asked him what the hardest part of the job was and he said, Oh, it's the employees. Um, and I just remember thinking, you know, smug, naive 26 year old Kevin thinking like, Oh, well that's you. It's going to be different for me, you know, but, um, yeah, I mean it, it is, it's, it's really challenging. It's really, really challenging, but I think, trying to think of the other side of that coin which is the opportunity really to bless um, your employees and to, to make a really profound difference in people's lives yes they' frustrating at times yes you make your hair gray or, or thin I've got both of those going on here but um, but also man when this is all said and done like I don't think the policies that I sold are gonna matter all that much yeah it matters you know get fixing somebody's car or their life insurance or whatever but but man, I hope that I've got a, at least a handful of employees who say, man, I'm so glad that I got to work for Kevin. I'm so glad that that he was a mentor, that he was somebody that spoke into my life and he cared about me, not just as, as a, a worker bee, um, but but as a person and, and he made a difference for you know having hired me. And so, um, yeah, I guess I would just encourage people listening to, to try to think of it from that perspective. Um, and just the ability to, to pour into other people, to bless other people, to encourage them, and to you know hopefully make a difference.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna end this interview with a quote from your own sign. Oh, okay. you in your office, and because I think it it really fits with some of what we talked about. It's it's culture that we create within our employees and that we hope uh, customers see, especially when you have those, those price raising conversations <laughs> you have to have with your employees. But, but here's, here's what uh, you have on your your It says quality is remembered long after price is forgotten. And if we can remember that and we can run our businesses in that way, uh we're gonna have some of the best clients and the best employees we can have uh conveniently also if you're in the olympia washington state area kevin's phone number is on his sign and uh, i'm sure he'd love to have a conversation with you about uh, insurance and so uh, we'll go ahead and uh, put his information in the show notes as well kevin thanks for being here uh it's been a real pleasure to have you
2: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, John, for the invite and Emilio as well. And, and really nice to meet you, Emilio. You too, Kevin.
0: Okay. Uh, pickleball game coming up soon.
2: Sounds <laughs> good. Hey,
0: okay, man. Awesome. We'll see you later. Okay. Bye. Well, another good interview. I, I don't even <laughs> – we're, we're doing really well on guests, and I'm super excited about all the people that we've been able to, to bring to the table.
1: And I'm trying to yeah. figure out that forty minutes goes really fast when you're yeah I know
0: right? here we are
1: 40 the conversation minutes. is just flowing yeah it goes really quick
0: it does well uh, so we have another conversation uh, not as fun as hiring uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, another another data breach and another cybersecurity thing and I think I want to talk a little bit let's talk about lessons before we tell the story. I'm going to do it in reverse because one of the things that we're going to see in this story is the main cause of this is phishing, and I think that we live in a in a time when it seems like people are not paying that much attention to how they're training employees when it comes to cybersecurity.
1: Okay. I thought you were going to go another way and I was going to say, well, maybe they're not trained. So I like the way you stated it. Good point. Yeah.
0: Right. They're not, the, the owners aren't putting enough focus into how they're actually, they're not building a culture of cybersecurity within their business and, and they're letting people fall through the cracks. And we know at this point from statistics, 90% of cyber attacks that are successful, they're created by employee mistakes that's a staggering number that we have to keep in mind. So, with that, uh, here here's the story. Cooper Mortgage uh, Mortgage Giant Mister Cooper had a fourteen fourteen point seven million people, and th- I mean th- that's a staggering amount of people that lost personal data. And I think we find didn't it say it in here? It shows so they lost. Information that uh, includes full name, address, phone number, social security number, birth date, bank account number.
1: Holy yeah. heck. And that's what sells the best on the, uh, on the dark web, social securities, bank account numbers, especially of those uh, oh, of underage.
0: Yeah. Holy heck. Right. So now you've got to keep an eye. On these You have 14, 14.7 million people have to keep an eye on the dark web. Keep an eye on their bank accounts. Keep an eye on new credit cards that get opened. This is a staggering statistic, and what it comes down to is an employee made a made a simple mistake.
1: What what some companies don't know, um, you know, financial companies, mortgage, uh, car dealerships, places that take in this type of information with social security numbers and bank accounts and deal with money, is that when something like this happens. So what are we saying? Almost 15 million people. Yeah. If Mr. Cooper is sued, this company they have to provide um, credit monitoring and identity monitoring for 15 million people. Now, say that's even at two dollars a month per person. Do the math. I'm talking about a lot, a, lot of, a lot of money.
0: Yeah, I know that I'm getting free, even though I have my own. I'm getting free monitoring from one of the other data breaches that uh, that my. Uh, my information was in, and it's—it seems to be that companies are just throwing this out as okay. Well, we're just going to throw this tool at them and hope they feel better about their data breaches and about the fact that their social security numbers and their banking information is potentially out on the dark web at this point.
1: Yeah, and i, and that's just I a think on aspect yeah. of what's happening.
0: Yeah, and some of them may have to do it, but. Uh, I, I mean, it's just—it's crazy. You look at just the fact that 14.7 million people. Oh well, yeah, there is an exact number: 14,690. Okay. That's a—that's a huge amount yeah. of people, and it—it it really shows two things: businesses, or or rather, cyber attackers are now. I mean, they're really getting good at creating phishing and socially engineered attacks that look very real and they're able to do enough research about businesses to figure out how to send a phishing attack that is specifically catered to that business. So we we can kind of like, we can somewhat blame, like we can, we can point the finger and we can say, well, they didn't do enough training, but we also have to acknowledge that these guys that are doing these attacks are getting better at the, at this this job that they have, well, it's, they're getting better at it.
1: Job, so, career, whatever we yeah. want to call it. But yes, yeah. and like you said, Come now it's, just, I mean, it's becoming easier. It's easier to monetize, um, yeah. you know, hacking as a service, I think is what someone called it one yeah. time. You can just yeah. buy a tool or you can, you know, it's just it's at, Those it's tools like 30
0: favorite. bucks in some cases, like yeah, a ransomware favorite. kit, it's 30 to 50 bucks online.
1: That's I
0: mean, great. it's it's nuts. It's nuts. And, and I guess the point is, is that we as professionals, uh, us in the cybersecurity world, you as the business owner, we all have to up our game because the criminals are upping their game. And if we don't up our game, we're going to end up – and maybe it's not. Maybe it's not going to be 14 million people because you're a small business. But the percentage of your business that, is, that it affects is still significant because uh, sometimes it's harder to pay those out when you're smaller. You may not have the money to, to you know, recover as easily as one of these larger companies do. Yeah. So I, I definitely, it definitely definitely shows education uh, and consistent education. I sat in a, a speech last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago. From a lady who specifically owns an education cybersecurity education company, and she talked about just the fact that uh, we have to we have to do a a good job of not just giving like not education that checks a box, which is really common in, in some business. Okay, we did our cybersecurity training for the year, now we're good. Uh, but education that is recurring, it keeps people uh, engaged and it's reminding them on a regular basis that they need to be diligent.
1: Yeah, that what they are that they're retaining right? Something retainable that they're consuming yeah. that they're retaining what they're consuming. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, exactly. exactly yeah. So that's where we come in. That's where we help you. So if your business is lacking education and you're in Florida, Pacific Northwest or anywhere in between the United States, <laughs> you can you can see the the business names there but uh of course we'll we have all that information on our on our website uh on the business and bites podcast website uh to contact us and we'll have that in the show notes but uh do you have anything else before we're going to maybe have i don't know if it's a shorter show but we had a really great interview and it was just easy to keep going
1: yeah and, it's a, it's, a, well, it's it's maybe like 9 minutes shorter but yeah we can uh we can wrap this one up yeah. Um, I think we should definitely have Kevin on again for some stuff in the future. Uh, yeah. I liked his interview actually, as well as the other one we did earlier.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, we've I got more coming. Uh, I've got I've got more coming. I've got uh, some coaches talking about culture and hiring as well, and, and getting some different um, different information. Uh, I'm still working on more guests. So here's the thing I would ask from the audience: one, if you're not following our Facebook page uh please do so that would that would be really big and helpful uh like i said we're going to be uh, launching podcast uh episodes out here pretty soon and then uh the other thing is if you know somebody who would be a phenomenal guest for us as we get this podcast started uh send us an email or send us a note on facebook and we'll work to get them uh get them on the show And uh, we're just looking to add value and help you as the business owner, you as the entrepreneur, grow your business and have the tools to do so. Yep. With that being said, thanks for watching. And we hope you have a great uh, new year. And uh, get in the gym because that's what we do in January.
1: Yeah. If you're watching this in 2023 or 2024, let's congratulate Mr. John over here (laughs) for for his newborn baby. Yeah, and his new, uh, his new daddy role, another hat to wear.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm excited. It's, uh, it's coming. By then, you'll see pictures on Facebook. By the time this airs, but uh, well, it's been a pleasure as usual, Emilio. And uh, well, we'll uh, we'll be back next week with a new show.
1: All right. Thank you, everybody, for watching.
0: Have a great day.